Hey everyone, thanks for uh, rejoining the podcast. This is Living in the New Renaissance, podcast number eight. And today I'm doing an interview with Shane Getson. Uh, he's the UCP candidate for Laxanne Parkland County. And uh, he's literally flown in here, as it were. Oh, helps if I'm recording the audio there. Uh, literally uh, just drove in and stuff, so we're about to, uh, to start. So, um, let me just start right off by bringing up my questions and stuff. And first of all, I want to thank you for coming by. I really appreciate that. Um, Esther got a hold of me this morning, so we got the questions and stuff no, across. I appreciate that too, and, and thanks for having the chance and reaching out to us. So it's pretty exciting. You gave me a little bit of background of what you're up to with your project, and uh, it's kind of neat to hear the transition from what you did before to this. And it's good to have that type of uh, person that's entrepreneur and taking that initiative in this community. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, no worries. It's like I said, it's it's been a fun challenge, and as I told you actually previously, uh, just before this one this uh, this morning, I actually interviewed an astronaut, which is one of the cool points of my day so far. So well, it's going to be a tough act to follow. Let's put it that way. So hopefully your uh, viewership isn't too disappointed with this. Well, last one was out of this world. This one we're back in <laughs> touch the real world. So I'm good with that too. So yeah. cool. So let me just start right off. Um, first question I'm going to ask is, how did you get into politics in the first place? By chance. Yeah, honestly, there was, uh, so the United Conservative Party is a new group that's, that's formed and bring, brought together. Obviously, there was some interest in politics with the change in the regime last time. Uh, my background is I'm a civil engineering technologist, was on a farm out from Chip Lake, uh, was working on major capital projects, both Canada and the U.S., and managing teams. And obviously, with the last four years and the change in the economy, it uh, gave me a little bit more time to be home which was rather interesting, seeing some of the changes and impacts at home. And uh, oftentimes folks will sit and talk around the kitchen table and about what they would have, should have, and could have done or would do differently. And I chose to try to step forward and, and see how I could participate and help. And I literally went in as a novice, uh, joined a constituency association at an annual general meeting. And it was in Monaway. So I put my hand up out of the crowd and said I'd be interested in being a director if the audience so chose me. And, I was voted in. Oh, thank you. Was voted in, and then subsequently the next uh, board of directors meeting, they kind of got to know each other a little bit better and asked some of the backgrounds, and I was voted in for VP of fundraising and election readiness. So really novice, working on the outside edge, uh, trying to bring the skill sets that I had to the table and help help the community and, and the Conservative Party in the area. Cool. And I also know you have an interest in flying as well. Absolutely. I, I love it. flying. Saw that uh, actually when I popped up to the website and stuff. So. Yeah, as a fun kid, always looking skyward. Um, yeah, I've always wanted to fly since I was a little kid. Something about airplanes and leaving the surly bonds of Earth and all those good things is fascinating. It's like being on God's doorstep in Raptor. It's phenomenal. I love it. That's actually how my my uh, dad met my mom. Actually, he was a crop duster. So oh no kidding, he crop dusted her barn. 
<laughs> got in trouble with, the gra- with uh, my grandfather as a result, but got her interest. Yeah, no kidding. Something about the allure of uh, flying, I guess. Exactly. I'm make, making a huge amount of noise, I guess, trying to attention. So. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, raises the next question of why did you run for the UCP as opposed to, let's say, one of the less conservative parties like uh, NDP is in I think it comes down to philosophy, so I'm very much free economy, enterprise, work hard, do those type of things and get rewarded for it. Um, the socialist ideals, they're not really what I'm comfortable with. Like I love the social net and the things that we do differently in Canada than some of the other company or countries, we keep going back to companies, Yeah. Uh, some of the other countries in the world. So we've kind of got the best of both worlds, but uh, I can't get on board with some of the ideals that they have and, you know, the state ownership, state owning means production, etc. Um, if it's benevolent, then it's great. There hasn't been a lot of history that served as benevolence for too long in that, in that type of environment. Norway has a really good modified model, and it's not even pure socialist, but it's as close as you know, utopic state you could get to in that model, I would believe. So coming back to how we operate in North America, what we've done out west, how we've literally been sent out here not so long ago to carve out a new province and to do those things and to be rewarded for your hard works and efforts, I've reaped those rewards. I was a farm kid, we didn't have a ton, but I had a drive and ambition, I had people that took interest in me, I knew I had to take the next step and go into education, and being a farm kid on construction crews, just kept being advanced and worked and worked and worked and literally managed to get into a position where I could manage a portfolio of projects in Canada and the U.S. and was a troubleshooter on, on different things and met some wonderful people over the years. So to step away from that and to go something completely counter, it, it just didn't feel right. I'm not saying it's wrong, it just for me it's not that fit. So that's probably the reason why. Cool. And it actually brought to mind the uh, uh, kind of, I guess you could see a, a social experiment that was Petrocan, where it initially was a uh, I think it was uh, Phillips 76 or whatever, and it was actually nationalized through underneath uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau. And over the years, it's become uh, more and more denationalized in the point where I think sold to Suncor as an example. Yeah, so Suncor picked up that model, and it's an incubator, so when you're, in my opinion again, so again, that modified model, if you're looking to expand or to set the goalposts out there for industry, then that's what government can do. So you see something that's unique, if you look at the oil sands, for example, similar. So you go up there, it's a new emerging technology, you kind of prove it out, you do that as an incubator, and then once you've incubated this, it's like the mama bird giving flight to it, and you send it back. And governments can work way better with an incubator state, getting it launched and helping gain the interest, and then let industry take it from there. Because the ingenuity that drives from industry is completely different than what ingenuity drives from government. There's different different models and different drivers for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you looked at in Canada, for example, a huge success for it was from ANC. So the Alberta government got involved, helped develop that area, launched it into in Canada, which became Synovus, which is a huge success story until recently when the economy changed and now they're actually moving south of the border as well. So there's some changes and things that can be done that I think we can pull it back and allow our industry to grow and allow our economy to grow and allow us to have all the social nets that come out of having a strong, robust, healthy economy. Because the social nets get paid for when you actually have money going into the system. Well, and that's, and that's part of it. So if we can generate have a, a robust economy, like we're very familiar with, with all that drive and entrepreneurial spirit and similar to yourself, taking a chance, going into a new field and having that and then have the rewards for it, that'll drive and that'll keep going, us going further. And then that pays for all the good, cool stuff and the nice stuff and the things that we're accustomed to. And uh, I obviously want that El Parade advantage back. I thrived on it and benefited from 
other people's hard work to set the stage for me to, to capitalize on it. And as corny as it may sound, I want my kids to be able to do the same thing. So if I didn't step up at this point, and if I didn't give back to the seniors that have gone before me and, and the mentors I've had to give back to my community, kind of a man that I mean. We do the uh, next one. Sure. Um, so, one of the things I mentioned, uh, I, I mention this every podcast, and people who are listening to it are probably sick of it by now. But when I was in grade six, I had a science teacher who basically went, told me something that just flipped the light on in my head. And I've seen when I was a kid how we always had the same face on the moon, you know, facing us, and we had the shadow go across, but it was always the same thing. And he mentioned to me this thing called tidal locking, which was the moon is rotating just fast enough that you always see the same moon no matter what. Yeah. And for me, all of a sudden, something that came out of a book clicked into my real life and was something more interesting in science and helped shape the path of math. So for you, what sort of thing actually, you, you mentioned that uh, you, you put your hand up as a, a person that felt that they needed to do something, but what actually put you onto that path in the first place? So I guess stepping out of growing up on the farm and seeing where a lot of um, my fellow family and, and neighbors and everybody else farmed. Seeing that when we went logging, we supplemented our incomes and we did these different things. There was actually some people that I ran across. So when I'm about 12, 13 years old. So there was a drought going on during the 80s. And what we did to, to make ends meet in our farm, we actually were in an area where we had water. So we ran other people's cattle. And then we also had drilling rigs that popped into the land and were around the area. So I got exposed at a younger age to different people from different fields. And there was a couple of gentlemen, especially in the cattle side of things, that had um, a neat way of doing business and a neat way of talking to some kid with a lot of questions. So as a curious kid when I see a guy roll in with a nice big freight liner and he's dropping his cows off from southern Alberta and I start talking about airplanes and he's flying planes and he's doing those type of things and then there's another gentleman who's putting his cows at our place and his background isn't farming, he actually owns property in Edmonton and he owns multiple properties and hotels and those type of things. I think that gave me the spark of talking to these people and find out that they also too came from, if you would, humble beginnings and asking them how they did it and opening my eyes to that. Being around guys that started their own construction companies and worked on different projects. One of my uncles, very young, 15 years old, went up and worked for Western Caissons, which became Agra Earth and Environmental and Foundations. Uh, hearing about him working up in Churchill, Manitoba, building a wharf out there and, and those type of things. So that gave me a line of sight that I could jump past the farm. I could always come back to it if I wanted, but I, I too could get that adventure. And I knew I'd never have enough cash to save up to go on a trip, but I knew I could work my way through it. And then the more I went down that rabbit hole, the more people you were exposed to. So when I went to college, I was working for a patch paving company and, and they did work in Edmonton and did roads and those type of things. And while I was there, I met another gentleman who got hired on with uh, Ledcor Industrial. And their project that he was on after graduating college was up in a diamond mine in the middle of nowhere. Hmm. And I thought that was cool. So I applied, ended up in a position there, and bounced into my friend. I didn't uh, tell him I surprised him by showing up in his office and kicked his desk and asked where I could get a coffee around this place. And we're literally <laughs> up in the middle of the tundra. So once you start meeting people, I guess to lead you down that path, and I didn't really think about this, but 
it's a it's an insightful question to ask. So when it leads you down that path, you keep making that cognizant choice to the next step. And I chose to keep learning more and more. And in our industry, the guys that are really good at what they do, they're the best mentors and trainers and teachers you'll ever have. And they saw something in me, and they were giving back to me because someone else had done that with them. And that was my career path all the way from managing projects and jumping out and becoming a consultant and just working and working and working through that and then end up working for uh, some directors and vice presidents of major corporations. And they too saw something in me and started giving me their gifts and tools. So to garner all that knowledge and skill and that ability and when you have multiple teams and billion dollar projects and hundreds of people that you're managing and responsible for both in the quality and the safety, you kind of want to get it right. The other tipping point was being a father. So I have four kids. So I want my kids to have that same ability understanding what my grandfather's volunteered and stepped up for war when there was an issue over in Europe and some things went sideways there. They didn't have to, they volunteered. So when I'm seeing a lot of things that I was benefiting from and folks in our community hurting from the change and folks in the industry hurting from it and overall nationally some of the things that are taking place and people are detracting and pulling from that and despite how much we want to say we're all individuals and we're promoting hope how much of individuals we are, we're actually fragmented in our country. So I saw my chance the same way that people took an interest in me and the same skills that I developed over those projects of trying to pull people back together, talk about the things that we have in common. If we can agree on 80%, the other 20% will sort itself out. So let's not fixate on the differences, let's talk about the commonalities. I felt like I had to do something because if I sat on the edge and just complained about it, kind of a man would I be again. Like, you are what you do, you practice what you preach, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, and that was it. It was my time to give back for all those guys that had spent hours with this farm kit that came out of nowhere, that they kept training and bringing along. And if I could do something to help out, why wouldn't I? I totally get it, because my grandfather was an aircraft mechanic uh, in the Second World War. Um, he was with the Canadian Army, but he was an American. So he actually came in before the Americans went to the American or went to the war. And my great grandfather on my dad's side was an American who was lived in Riggins, Idaho, and he joined the Canadian Expeditionary Forces in the First World War. And his or my grandfather on my mom's side, his grandfather fought in the American uh, Civil War on the Indian side. So I totally get it. Well, my great-grandfather was British Expeditionary Force on, uh, on my grandmother's side, so he came over to Canada, liked it so much he decided to stay. My uh, grandpa Gatson, he came out from Prince Edward Island back in 1918, kind of settled in the area. He volunteered, he was Air Force. My grandpa Opus was originally from North Dakota, chose Canada as his new country, volunteered and, and signed up and went over to Europe. He actually, I'll tell you a funny story about that one. Um, so literally, Grandpa, we, we talked about projects, he was a cat skinner, he worked on jobs and we'd usually talk about projects, talk much about the conflict years. And we got to talking a couple of times and well, looks like Grandpa, like you were 19, 20 years old back then, you'd come up to Canada and you go overseas, like how would that work out? So he told me a couple of stories and one I'll share with you was uh, on the recruiting, so why he, why he stepped up. And he said that this was his country, he chose to be here, he saw it in the time of conflict, he would not consider himself a man if he didn't do something to prove what he was he was signing up for the long haul for it, so to speak. So he actually gets this call from a U.S. recruiter at that point. They had just left their coming into the war, and uh, they're saying to Grandpa, like, you have to come back. You're a U.S. citizen. He goes, well, I, I can't. 
well, you have to. Like, we're going to throw you in jail. You're going to stockade. Like, get, well, I can't. And he says, this recruiter, he's going, like, off the deep end on him. Finally, when he ran out of steam, Grandpa goes, I can't because I've already volunteered for the Canadians. I can't fight twice. Nice. So pretty classy, pretty neat. And I share that with a lot of my American friends as well when they get a chuckle out of that. So that's that's the background, that's the tradition, that's the family legacy. You step up when you're called. You don't have to be there all the time, but you step up when you're needed. And that's that's what you do. Let me grab the next one here. Sure. <laughs> so, one of the things that you've probably ran into already, because I know that you were on the road here, is... Um, the amount, of, the amount of traveling and the toll and stuff is going to take on So, what kind of a, a toll do you think um, being an MLA will actually take on your, on you and your personal? It'll probably be like running a project and a portfolio of projects. Yeah. So, as far as other folks that come into it, if they don't have a background in managing uh, and being responsible for major capital projects or teams or anything else, being both in your home province, within your local area, within your own country, and then bouncing across the U.S. and managing teams across there as well, this might be a big stretch. The biggest thing that's going to be a change to the hours and managing that's going to be that's going to be the same. Um, and again, I'll fill you in why I think that. The part that's going to be a bit different is being in the spotlight. And that's a bit different for us. So we quietly build projects. I'll do stakeholder engagement. I'll drop into communities and we'll talk about the project. I'll have all those questions and those type of things coming from myself or the teams that I've been working with. So that's kind of similar. What I'm not used to, because I never was part of Facebook or a lot of the other social media, is that these things called trolls and mm -hmm. all this bombardment, um, that is going to be a, big, a bit of an adjustment for us. My family, we're, we're private people normally. We're involved and engaged in our community in our own ways. We're not seeking fanfare. Um, we make donations quietly and behind the scenes, both either with our time or with monetary means. That's going to be a bit different being up front. Uh, my kids, though, they're awesome. They're, they're awesome little performers. They're literally sitting in Jubilee Auditorium performing on stage since they were five, six years old. So they're more cut out for this than I am. Mm -hmm. um, but the public eye, that's going to be one of the things that's more difficult for us. And the reason why I can say with uh, some certainty and understanding what the transition is going to be is my uh, wife's uncle, Don Fleming, was a deputy minister under my cardinal during the Ralph Klein years. Mm. So one of the people that I talked to before I threw my hat in, in the actual ring and my hand up was to ask him what it was like. And he said, you're going to be on the road, you're going to be in the public eye, you're going to be gone lots like 12, 13 hours a day. And I said, okay. So like running a project, when you chuckle, yeah, he says, it's like when you're running your projects. And then he said, wherever you go, there's going to be attention, either positive or negative. And he says, you have to be ready for that. So that's where I think the biggest challenge is going to be, and that's where we're going into it with eyes wide open. Um, and that's what we're going to have to face. Yeah. And one, one of the things that I ran into working with, uh, with government as well in the background is I got to run into um, Wayne Drysdale. I worked with him a little bit. Okay. also worked with... Uh, Ray Danilek way back in the day as well. I actually the very first time I'd ever seen a mounted um, buffalo head was in his office in the ledge, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's it's something that most people aren't aware of. Is um, uh, Manmi Bula, uh, Bular, as an example, was killed on the road between Edmonton and Calgary, helping out a, a uh, family on the side of a road during a snowstorm, and it's there's a lot of toll that's taken on the road. 
right, which is one of the reasons why I asked yep. that question. So. No, there is, and but it's for the right reasons. And again, I'm I'm not looking to get into politics to become a career politician. I'm treating it like a project. And given the mandate that we have, it's either four or eight years. And I'm willing to give that and commit to the community of that time. But if I do my job properly as part of that team, we get the economy rolling and everything's going good again, I'm done. I've, I've done my tour. I'm able to come back out, go back to the private industry, and do what I'm really good at. And I might be really good at this political thing, and so far it seems to be very interesting and it's neat engaging with the community and hearing all the issues that come up, understanding I can't boil the ocean, understanding I can make graduated changes and working with the bureaucratic side, I think I'd be one of the best guys to be able to do that because understanding how the teams work in the machinery and then transportation specifically on your side, understanding what a stage gating process is, the project development, the memorandum of understandings, bringing different groups together, that's normal for me. So that'll be pretty fun. But if I do this properly, everything's working well, and somebody else's turn at that point. Yep. And then you want a fresh set of eyes, you want fresh people to be coming in and doing that. So that's the intent. Cool. Let me do the next one. Um, so the next one I, I basically said, uh, I'd asked whether or not the UCP is anything government you've been really proud of. So what I'm basically wondering with this question is, is there anything that the uh, UCP has, has put forward on the platform that you're really looking forward to, to doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a ton of things, and, and seeing the gamesmanship or how this actually plays out for announcing the platform, which is all built, built and based on the policies that you already established, um, getting behind the veil and be parting of that, that team when we started pulling the, the MLA's existing ones and the new candidates together and seeing how that machinery works. There's a lot of good stuff in store and I am so excited and fired up about that because I know that the changes that were made over the last several years, it wasn't cataclysmic, it wasn't an act of God, pterodactyls didn't launch from some spaceship and come down and change this. Yeah. It is literally man-made. So we can roll those levers back. We can actually make some effective change, short order, that will take effect over a longer duration, that will turn this thing to where we, we liked it and where we were comfortable with it before. And sitting in those boardrooms and understanding how investment works and understanding how we're going through the machine and making it work. Yeah, I'm pretty stoked about flipping some of those levers back, getting that, that, that confidence back in who we are, putting that open for business sign on Alberta's door again. Really stoked up about that. I'm really stoked up about the education, changing the curriculum so we have kids out there who actually understand the basics and can get through and write board exams and do those type of things, or we don't have 60% of our university students going in and can't understand basic mathematics at university level. I'm really stoked about that. Really stoked about uh, helping with the, the inefficiencies in the healthcare system in the middle areas, being able to manage things more efficiently, de-bottleneck it as if you would, or, or run it similar to a project where we freeze the spending, we pour the same dollars out, but we're getting more on the frontline services and we're managing to push that through the system easier and get gain more efficiencies. Everyone jumps to thinking you're going to lay off a bunch of people when you do that. And if you've ever worked on a job site, you don't run your entire crew to make it work better. You look at efficiencies in the process and you de-bottleneck and you work it down. Mm -hmm. I am really stoked about doing that. Just a personal thing, this is nothing about anybody I've ever worked with or any, any groups as well, but. One of the things that's always made me wonder about why we are doing things the way we are is we have a Ministry of Health and we have Alberta Health Services. So going and basically having a, a division of uh, almost sort of a private crown corporation running a 
um, the health services for the province, but at the same time, it's kind of a splinter, sort of like ATB and finance. It, it never made any sense to me, so I'd love to see something like having Ministry of Health as an example take on more personal responsibility for AGS. Well, and there's a lot of different ways of skin in that cat, and honestly, you have to sit at the table, you have to understand the problem before you jump in and start making changes. So getting the chance to go behind it, but everything I've tested so far, so my wife is a dentist, my father-in-law is a retired physician, my mother-in-law is a retired nurse, I have a friend that uh, we do recreational activities together, uh, outdoor sporting type ideas, he's an emergency room physician that works in several different hospitals, uh, cousins uh, through my wife that are nurses, uh, friends, wives that are nurses as well. I'm tapping into this, this great resource that hasn't been listened to in a number of years. Being able to take those ideas and be able to do something with them, and then getting an idea of how the administrative process works and why it's so cumbersome or big or, or how to do that. That's no different than I was paid as a consultant to go into large corporations and for efficiencies. So to me, that's pretty exciting. The regulations, regulatory, has got out of control the amount of redundant pieces of paper that we have or processes or groups that are touching it. And then it's pouring down to its basis level and choose that dollar bill down to pennies on the dollar by the time you actually get things through. I'm absolutely stoked about doing that. Everybody loves to grow their budgets every year. Well, there's, there's a lot of well-intentioned folks, I'm sure, that again, talking to, to Lara's uncle and talking to folks like yourself that have there, and more recently some other gentlemen that retired their past brigade. There's a lot of good folks there, and if you can unleash some of that that goodwill, that work ethic, and allow them to run the efficiencies and you can uncumber the system of it. Oh my gosh, we can make this thing up. And it'll be like it'll be good. And that I'm I'm excited about. So that's what I, I really want to sink my teeth into and take some of that knowledge from the outside that I've garnered over the years. Know that you can't apply everything and not one silver bullet fixes all. Understand what the challenges and the issues are from the folks that are in the trenches doing that and then apply a different vision, kind of an outside point of view, test that with a group, make a couple incremental changes, monitor that, see how it's impacting the whole system. If we tweak it a bit more, we tweak it, and garden those efficiencies. We can have key performance indicators that we can actually monitor and control against and have results to know if we're on track or not. It'll be fun. Okay, just coming to the last one here. So, one of the, the last questions I sent across that I'd asked O'Neill as well that I'm gonna ask you, so, you're just starting off here, so how so far has this impacted your family and then you run to become the next MLA? Um, there's a lot of nights where I'm not home as early as I could be, but in comparison to being home six days a week when I was run, running a portfolio, or six days a month I should say, when I was four hour plane ride away to get home, mm -hmm. not so bad. So again, they get to see me pretty much every night. We had to see them before they head off to school because we're waking up at the same time and there's that. It's a bit of a, a shift because there was the last couple of years I stick around home a bit more than running major capital projects. But uh, so far they're hanging in there and it's interesting to hear the feedback and the kids' interest. So again, through the social studies level, you know, one's 15, one's 12, so they're at that nice age where they're asking questions and they're, they're critical thinkers as well. We strongly encourage critical thinking in our household. So the fact of how engaged they are and they're bringing a line of sight back to me that only the exuberance of youth could have, you know, the unbiased, wise, wide open, wide-eyed world of wonderment 
<laughs> that's been huge. So it's actually brought us closer together in some of those regards because they're asking questions, what can we do about this staff? Here's what we're hearing. Where before it was, hey, do you want to hear what a 36-inch pipeline project costs? Or, how, you know, there, there wasn't the same connection. So this has actually brought us closer. In my wife's side of the fence, uh, we're in a different field, and I've kind of stuck my toe in that water a few times over the years, but her being from that different field, again, being able to advise me what she sees for some of the tweaks and the chance that we could actually, potentially as a family, be able to help or affect other families in a positive way. It's actually bringing us together quite a bit, too. Okay. Um, I think that's about it. Is there anything else you want to add? Or? I don't know. Again, I'm the new politician uh, because it's politics. But as far as stakeholder engagement and doing these type of things, um, I'm always going to do the same thing, and it'll be from the heart. And some folks will make promises they can't keep. I can't abide by that. The things that folks in the constituency would have to get accustomed to is sometimes I'll have good news, sometimes it won't be good news, but it'll be the actual news. I'm not going to make promises that folks try to bank on or, or put their plans towards that they can't attain. And by the same token, if they have challenges and they bring it towards me, I'll honestly work towards it. One of the biggest things that was a challenge prior to doing this was folks that asked me a question, uh, well, what if you don't agree with something the party's doing or the government's doing. Like, how would you manage that? Or what if our constituency doesn't agree with it? Like, how would you manage that? Again, they're under the auspices that you have to vote with the party line. So the neat thing was to hear as a new guy was our leader comes in and tells you that right off the hop, Westminster rules work. If it can work over in the UK successfully for 800 years, then why wouldn't we use that here? You have a free vote. If I am clear conscience, cannot get on board with something, even though the majority does, I'm allowed to free vote. If my constituency, if there's something that goes against what our constituents want in our area, I'm allowed to free vote. That was huge for me, releasing those shackles. The next one is what I've led a lot of times, and I was taught the same thing, you lead by example. You don't do something that you wouldn't do yourself or have others do. You don't direct them into something, a situation. So you walk the walk, you talk the talk. To hear the leader come out, and this is kind of a risk for a new party, to hear the leader come out and say that he's taking a 10% pay cut, and then put it to the audience, being us new guys, saying, would you take a 5%? I was the first guy that got to speak on it. I was the first guy that grabbed the microphone. I said, I'm already taking a huge pay cut just to be here. Let's get the province working again. And to hear my colleagues clap at that, that was pretty damn huge. Oh, yeah. So for me, as a new guy coming in, talking about the rhetoric all star-eyed and, and bushy-tailed and everything else about thinking the changes, those fundamentals are in place that I have a voice if that we have like-minded people that are stepping up for the same reasons for the rest of us in the province, being able to take our province back and push hard back against Ottawa to make sure things are right, that we're respected in the West. Absolutely. So I'm pretty stoked about that. I know it wasn't really a question that you had, but those are the things that are really standing out to me. And the ability to go talk to people openly like this and ask what matters to them. And we seem to be coming up with the same song sheet. So what really matters to folks, that 80% of things, I think we're hitting the points there. And if anyone has an idea, a question, comment, or concern, absolutely get on my website and give me a phone call. And once I'm into this, and if I am lucky enough to garner enough votes from the folks out here, I told them I'd treat them like a pipeline project. He got me six days a week, 12 hours a day. I'm going to take Sundays off to be with my family. Other than that, I'm all yours. Cool. And when I do up the uh, the video as well, the, the final one, I'll make sure that I have links to the website and Perfect. Thank content. You. Mm -hmm. oh, appreciate it.
Okay. So I'm just going to wrap it up now. Okay. Um, and uh, thanks for watching, guys, and I appreciate uh, you tuning in. Visualization zero. Automatically programmed E select eight seven six five four three two one with extinction zero.